So, <laughs> uh, welcome to part two at our look at activism, uh, where we are discussing activism. Um, so, quickly, uh, let's look to Chris to recap what we were uh, did in part one. Sure. And the uh, thank you, Jordan. In the first section, we sort of analyzed the philosophy. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, the philosophy of activism, like the purpose for it, its social function, why we want to support it, um, why it's part of our constitutional and charter of rights, depending on where you're from. And I guess the main hitting point that we wanted to get to was that the the function of activism is not the ends in itself. In other words, it's it's not for the show of being active. It's for the purpose of developing some type of reform or pro, uh, progressive policy change that needs to be that needs to be addressed for the best interest of everybody. And that's not to say that certain social groups aren't allowed or don't have the right or um, or merit awareness per se. What it's sort of more getting at is that, Everybody is an activist in their own ways and in many different ways, and none of them are better or worse than the other. But where we choose to focus our energies and set our priorities and um, which things we decide to be active about what and how we go about becoming activists or, uh, or pushing our agendas, promoting our agendas, um, <laughs> I think is more important that we, we analyze the function and keep in mind our end goal for the sake of betterment. I mean, we're just going to be spinning our wheels if, if we mindlessly go about making noise for the things that we believe in without thinking or questioning. Um, first of all, it's stupid to believe in something you don't question. There's no problem with having faith in something, but as soon as it starts affecting other people, you really need to reanalyze your, your approach and your method. And the second thing is discourse. We really want to promote discourse. And that's like the common running theme with our channel is expressing the fact that people's opinions matter regardless of whether they're right or wrong in your opinion or in my opinion. Uh, even if we disagree with people, we want a platform where people can express those opinions so that we can discuss them rather than fight each other over them because that's the civil way and that's what's best for everybody. So in the past, uh, in the first part, <clears throat> we talked about activism in that shape and form. For the second half, I think we are going to uh, be progressive in discussing activism as it has been exercised up to today, how it should have been done in our opinions, and keep it in mind, it's just an open opinion for which we are also trying to raise awareness. So there is a bias at play here and we're not trying to hide the fact that we have our own opinions. We're actually trying to emphasize the fact that more people should have them. So rather than diminish other ideas, we're trying to promote our ideas and our ideas are the promotion of more ideas. Yeah, and I think it's also better ideas because, <laughs> uh, well, not like better as in this is a better idea. Than no, that, I know like, what you meant, it was just funny. <laughs> higher, like you can have an opinion um, and some opinions are like, I like geckos. I, I don't personally like them. They're just kind of there. But it's like, if you have them and you think they're the best animal out there and you like them, that's, that's great. It's, it's not a bad opinion. It doesn't even need to be that complex, but when it involves other people, it's good to be able to, thank you, make, uh, visited by the tea fairy. Yeah. Uh, it's good to be able to make um, and to think it through because this is going to impact because uh, your opinion actually does matter uh, even though there's you know 400 million opinions uh, in like that one time and look talking about the same thing um, it's best to come up with a nuanced one rather than just settling on uh, one that's been made for you and so um, <clears throat> I think I'm, uh, I think I said enough on that actually. So we could look at some and 
Uh, Why don't we start by delineating some areas where you think that we've had activism in the past so far and it's worked out? So like things like civil feminism and justice reform. Yeah. Yeah. So civil rights. You're well versed in like the, the revolutions and stuff. So that's probably a good Yeah. Point. Uh, so we got into that last time of revolution, but uh, which I guess is a form of what's going on here. Uh, okay, good. Sorry. Uh, I, sorry, I got thrown off my group here. Uh, I'm, where was I? You were saying revolutions start from activism. Right. So revolution is, I guess, a form of activism. It's just very militant activism. And as we said in part one, militancy isn't always the thing, the thing that you should strive to the, the last resort. Um, uh, or the, it should be a defense rather than an yes. offense. And uh, then, but you oh. see things like the civil rights movement, uh, the suffrage movements, which even though we've been hearing about the ad nauseum lately, they did, you know, women do have the vote. Women do have equal rights under the law in at least Canada and America. Um, you have uh, the 60s civil rights movements that uh, I think were exemplified by uh, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., who can't say anything bad about uh who really exemplified what they were working towards and even though it's a long process i feel like a lot of the goals that they attained were achieved um especially with regard to race um with regard to uh, uh gay and lesbian rights uh where uh these people are now equal under the law now, opinions take longer to change. Uh, there's always fools out there, and um, we do have to suffer them to some extent. Uh, so on the flip side, where do you think that went wrong, the civil rights movement? Like with this, um, I'm thinking specifically of a few examples, but I'm sure you can think of a bunch more <laughs> that I can't. But like um, adjudicating racial... state, Malcolm X group i guess was a misstep uh the uh that group malcolm x was with originally he was a spokesperson for the nation of islam which really decried very um extreme views with regard to race um well extremism aside though where do you where do you think that um civil rights itself like for instance affirmative action where they prescribe quotas for certain um, agencies oh. to meet and things okay. like that. Like, what do you, where do you stand on that? Do you think yeah. it's effective? Do you think it's the best approach? Do you think maybe it's a good attempt, a good so, start? Maybe when you said like criticize, like find something that the civil rights movement did wrong, other than extremism, uh, it's really hard pressed because it's it, it ended with a lot of positive changes. Now it kept going, and now we have we're almost going too far with it. And I almost, I want, conceptually, I want to, in my head, I would like to separate the two because you see the civil rights movement creating massive change and a lot of people just stepping out of their, uh, the normal bounds of thought that they had to just try new modes of being and existing and, and just try new things, which is kind of what our culture is about. What can I do that's different that'll work? Well, if it doesn't work, well, at least you had a good time maybe. But when we take it further, you you start doing quotas. What can I do as a bureaucrat? And you get that affirmative action where you get, uh, you focus more on the uh, point of um, oppression more than the Re, uh, the uh, the fixing of it of uh, the problem. So you see a lot of this now, where you have you know women need to be pushed above men because they're better. And it's like, are they? They're just they're women and we're men. It's, they're just like they're with us. They're not better or worse than us. 
Yeah, um, feminism is another good example because we made huge strides in, in after the feminist movement, but there's still, not only are there still inequalities between women and men, now we've, we've branched out into this huge plethora of, you know, gender, uh, yeah. what do they call it? In, what do they call that? The... Um, Fluid, gender fluid. Oh yeah, they. That's that's a whole nother bag of worms. Uh, but it was sort of spawned <laughs> from the feminist movement, right? So it's almost like an offshoot. It something was. you couldn't have foreseen being an issue until after the fact. But the feminists, like the uh, a lot of the hardcore feminists, are actually at odds with them because you know, mm-hmm. I'm saying you know we need uh, the right for a woman to choose their own destiny. We need opportunities equal to that of men. Uh, we need to be able to make our own decisions with regard to, you know, everything, our bodies, reproduction, yeah. uh, all access to birth control and maternity yes. leave and things like that. All this thing. Uh, my wife, Megan, is uh, really, whenever she hears about the American maternity leave, she just, it's like a pet peeve. She's just like, that's so stupid. Two weeks, really? <laughs> yeah, that should bother all of us, though, Yeah, like in my opinion. Uh, and Because um, we so raise that- better human beings when they have parents that are available to them. <laughs> right. So you have actual issues like that. And then the, um, act- the feminists who are really pushing for female empowerment are coming at odds to people uh, who are men that become women. And then claim to be uh, like, where does their oppression lie? And then the feminists are like, they're not women because, you know, they didn't have to go through all that female stuff. And so you have these, uh, I think they call them TERFs now, uh, uh, trans exclusionary radical feminism feminists who are uh, now at odds with the postmodernist movement, even though they were at the forefront of it, you know, Claiming that women are, you know, powerful. They're these, these creatures. They're 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 female boosters. The boosters of the female in our society, which um, I may not agree, but I don't. I just don't share their zealotry. But I don't disagree because women are people, and they need all the same. Uh, it sounds so hollow when I say it, but <laughs> I think you know what I'm getting at. Um, I don't want to just wave the flag because we're not here to wave the flag we're here to uh look at what's going on with that and i think that you when you are an activist it's kind of i'm going to kind of kind of bring this back into the harbor um you have a tendency to see your cause as in a vacuum separated from all the other causes and you have rights for this rights for that and everyone's fighting for for screen time, fighting for this and that, but uh, that or they'll ally with others and they'll just, you don't, you end up with the hazard of not seeing the forest for the trees. And um, I think that's a very big hazard. When you're only caring about race, um, you miss a lot of the other factors that are involved. I think that's a critical point too. the exclusive nature of some activists where they they're they only justify their own cause and no other cause is worth like they can't eat and chew gum at the same time. They can't care about black or Hispanic rights at the same time as women's rights. Yeah. Or on the other end of the spectrum where they think all rights are equally uh, oppressed and everybody needs to fight and as you say, burn the system down to, to fix it all at one time. Right. I think it's just as naive, but and I think once it starts to place a other uh, and this goes back to our conversation yesterday, once it becomes extremist, once you say, Well, we need to denigrate this to get to push this up to boost that, and that's that's just extremism at that point. You are mm-hmm. uh you are not trying to find a solution, you are trying to conquer. And I think that's where um, activism gets hard because you are in contention. You are in this um, battle of ideas and resources and, and you're in this you know, struggle to see what works. Even having a discussion is a bit of a struggle because you are, you know, you're being challenged, you're being 
you're being pushed down. If you lose, it might like if you lose a point because you made a bad argument, it might seem like they're against your entire argument when uh, they're actually just arguing, like having a discussion or a debate with you. Um, because these things are important, and I have more um, gravitas. Yeah, more <laughs> gravitas. They have uh, implications for everyone in society, um, and sometimes more than others, uh, you get stuff like um, uh, environmentalism, where you have um, people working really hard uh, with carbon capture technologies. Um, uh, plastic reclamation you have uh, uh nuclear power fission new fusion reactors uh coming online you have uh, new fission technologies um you have more efficient methods of uh solar uh capture and uh more efficient use of fossil fuels even um, and all these things are coming together and we're slowly getting better at it but then you have people going up in front of the thing going like they're intentionally there's a conspiracy against us to do this and uh on the other side of that you get people pushing something like the green new deal which is literally just uh let's just throw money at the problem uh and hope we hit it um and taking it on faith where this isn't something you can take on faith because um or should because if you screw up we lose the planet mm. we need to be very careful the stakes are high it's not just humanity that's that's uh if if we make the earth unlivable for you know all the other critters then that's unforgivable and uh you know whatever god you believe in is not gonna take kindly so one of the important things i think you touched on there is that like when you make an argument and somebody challenges it, it might not necessarily be that because your argument had holes in it, that your argument was even wrong or that you're in. Hmm. And like, it, it could just be a learning opportunity for you to reinforce uh, a better way of presenting your argument towards somebody who, who might be susceptible to be uh, changed. By right. It, right. So yeah. it, I, I sort of want to, Oh, sorry. If you wanted to, Finish. No, no, I was, I was encouraging you to go. Okay. <laughs> so I, I sort of actually wanted to make sure I emphasize the, uh, the usefulness of having tension in an argument, because when, when there are two sides to present and people encourage the other side to present their best argument rather than just proving themselves right. So they can walk away with their chest inflated. Yeah. Um, when, when you're engaging in contentious debate, it, it should be our, even if we don't personally like to agree with the other person, it should be our, our impetus to encourage the best side, the, the best point of view they can present. You should be trying to get the best out of the person you're arguing with, mm -hmm. as opposed to just trying to defeat them for, um, for appeal, right? Points. Or for optics to look, to look smart or to look right. I think it's far more important to have tension in these types of discussion because the echo chamber is like a slur and a dirty word now, but everybody knows that hearing the same opinions over and over again, isn't helpful or productive or useful, but on the same token, arguing for the sake of just having an opposing opinion so that you can make the other person look bad or to make yourself look good or to promote your own interest because well, we'll they look good had on a CNN. flawed argument. I think is a bad approach. We should be encouraging tension, but not such that it hurts people. Even if some people are hurt by contentious debate, that's a personal issue. They kind of have to deal with themselves. Nobody can fix that for them. But as long as you have a respectful debate that has tension in it, you're guaranteed to get the most out of humanity, out of human thought, mm -hmm. out of, out of discourse as it's socially relevant and, and useful. So I think alleviating tension isn't or shouldn't be the motivation of activism. It should actually be encouraged to make your own position harder to contest because yeah. that's how we all get better from having separate opinions. It's that's what we mean by diversity of thought. It's not just the fact that people choose to pick a position and then just stick on it just for the sake of sticking on it. 
And it doesn't mean playing devil's advocate like I like to do and I have a proclivity of doing. I, I try to do it with a purpose. I try to be the devil's advocate to help encourage deeper rumination of something or some things that we would otherwise typically take for granted. Because, you know, in our own minds, it makes sense already. We often overlook the steps we got to get there, mm-hmm. except by being challenged. And we all do. Like, I hate to say that, you know, I, I really hated it in school when people would be like, we all have our bias and therefore we can't talk about anything. We can't know another person's perspective. Well, if you talk to them long enough, you can get a good sense of it, um, especially if they're really good at communicating. Um, if you read a book and you feel so hard for a character that you are you know, moved whenever you think about that character, well, that's pretty close. Um, now, bias is present, but we have to just work with it and live with it. And I think that's one of the um, things that we just have to move past is that saying like, uh, they don't understand me and therefore, you know, it's not worth talking to them. Well, the thing is, is that we are all flawed. And just because you have surety of yourself now doesn't mean that in a couple of years, you're going to have a completely different perspective and look back on yourself and go, wow, I was an idiot, which is almost desirable. Now, we all make mistakes, which is why we all go into classes and we all go into debates. We all go into parliament and town halls and just discuss this because someone else is, you know, if we all put our dumb heads together, maybe we can make one smart move. Uh, And I don't know. And it's just bias isn't just like, well, you have a unconscious bias because you're white or something. That's ridiculous on every level. Um, Now, Bias is more like, well, here's what I think is important because this is my perspective. And someone goes, well, here's what I think that's important. Well, what can we take from both of those to maybe help both? Or maybe uh, I have a bias towards certain word usages and you correct my word usages. And all of a sudden, I have a new bias because you were able to uh, make my perspective more nuanced because of our interaction together. And biases aren't inherent or uh stable they are completely they change with your mood they change with your education they change with everything and they're also not as powerful as i think we were making them out to be um especially with this unconscious bias training that um i've seen my wife had to do it in her in her school and i she They were essentially calling her uh, an oppressive terrorist or something. And she's just like, because I'm white or something. Because I'm in the army. That actually scares me more. If somebody found that type of training useful, it would scare me more that they even got to the point where that was not already self-evident. You know what I mean? Like if somebody had to be told that it's not right to be a bigot, that's what the word bigot means. Like you you don't need a course to teach that. (laughs) Well, you certainly don't need a course to call people who aren't bigots bigots. Like, that's not the purpose of education is to start labeling and branding people. So I think when we get down to it, and I wanted to bring this up because I've been thinking about this for since we started, is that if we get into the etymology of the word activism, like I'm not digging down into its original, but if we looked at the word itself, you are acting and you need to be active. So you are you live in a community and you can help your community and you're active in it and i think this is kind of where the crux of it lies is that what are you doing to be actively engaging in your community and it's and we did narrowly define it in our first section but are you coaching the local kids soccer team? You are active in your community. You are performing uh, an act. Um, are you serving on the town council and you know organizing town halls? Yes, you are active. And when you put the ism on it, it becomes more of the way we define it today where you are finding faults and trying to correct them. But that is a form of 
activity. You are active in maintaining your um, community. So I feel like this is almost too simple. And, <laughs> but I guess it gets down to, are you helping? Are you doing this to help your community? What can you do? And I think by making it so big, and because the civil rights movement was big and it was impressive and Martin Luther King was standing in front of all those people. He was active in his community because he, but he was in a position to do that. And he had the talents and the gravitas to uh, say those words at the right time in the right way to make everyone's heart just stop. And he preached it like a preacher, like the reverend he was, right? He right. would speak with magnanimity. Magnanimity. Like, if you haven't seen the speech or read the speech, go do it. Pause. Go read it now. Yeah, hearing Maybe. it is totally different from seeing, from just hearing, um, reading it, and seeing so, it is different from just hearing it. Like, he was in a position to be active in that way. Now, how are you in a position to be active in your community? Is your community and if you, if you are coaching the soccer team, if you are, you know, funding local, if you're, you know, buying equipment for local hockey, uh, kids to play hockey, that's great. Are you going around fixing, you know, putting new basketball nets on the courts or shoveling, shoveling snow? Out, yeah, shoveling yeah. snow. <laughs> uh, like this is active uh, things that you are doing to be active. And Remember back in the day when the old ladies in the, and would like give you lemonade and cookies to the kids in the street? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when parents would help each other out looking after the kids as they played so that yeah. the other parents could go do adult things. Or, um, but when it becomes something that you can't fix, like when it's not just a, uh, a broken down staircase uh, in the park that you just go and grab a hammer to fix. I don't know. Um, but then uh, you you need to take it up uh, a level of authority. And that's kind of when it becomes activism, I think, is that when it be, you need to make it political uh, because you bring it, not because it's, it's political, this is politics. No, it's because you're bringing it into the political sphere mm -hmm. and you're making it an ism. And because I think it's when important it, and it matters to everyone. Right. We don't have fresh water or, or there's no, you saying that there's fluoride in the water, but there's not That's Edmonton. Uh, there's asbestos in all the schools in Edmonton. Yeah, there is. They're not talking about it. Um, there's creosote and all the railroad ties. and Yeah. So these things are things that you could bring up and be active, in, but it becomes an ism more when you say, uh, when you, when that thing picks a side. Um, so, uh, well, railway workers are this, so this is actually labor rights, so we need this, get the IWW or Marxists or uh, unionists on the side. It becomes, you know, it becomes associated uh, with a side that will take up the cause. Now, there are groups, Now, this is why there are groups that take up causes of activism so that, you know, people like, uh, normal people uh, can just go about their lives and not have to lobby constantly, go about doing, you know, adult things. And so this, those, th those, those, those groups aren't exactly useless. Uh, although they do seem so sometimes. Um, the, um, but just existing, at least it's sort of some kind of edifice or establishment to show that there's an intention of change, right? Yeah. Even so if when, they are ineffective today, at least there's a hope that tomorrow somebody more competent might manage it better. Well, even if there's that thing that says like, uh, like you have a group of uh, workers' rights things and then you get a, a, you know, a local business owner who's just gouging his employees. And now you have someone and a group of people to just stand up and go, hey, don't do that. <laughs> and they can do uh, it publicly. Right? <laughs> yeah. So you have this group that'll just be like, no. And so then it'll make people think twice before, you know, getting in, doing that kind of trouble. And so these, this is important. Now, that's, I guess that would be kind of a passive activism. But when you're sitting around 
but the activity in your community becomes uh it can become uh corrupted by association with non-relevant issues uh powers and people um so if all of a sudden you have like the yeah we're gonna figure out we're gonna we're gonna go and we're gonna do this and we're gonna get you know we're gonna show that we have our rights and stuff and then all of a sudden this group of uh communists that you didn't even know existed in your area show up and they start waving red flags and anarchists come in and join them they glare at each other but say all right let's do this and you're kind of like oh that's i didn't know nothing was going to get done so um and it becomes different you're not you're no longer talking about it you, you're now talking about the ends that the extremists want and uh it's 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 derailed because the thing that it an activist should be looking for is to uh, remedy the problem itself. Uh, And um, like first and foremost, that should be the, the objective mm -hmm. that should be the target that we're aiming for. And everything else is just now. Yeah. It comes to like targets such as um, uh, income inequalities I don't know how far I want to go into this because even if I say this, I'm, you know, all of a sudden I'm on thing, but uh, gender inequality in pay is a lot more complicated than the numbers were given on one news site. So it's not something you can fix in other words, by just giving raises to only women, right? Right. Cause then you're giving raises to women that would have gotten it anyways you're not and giving you're raises. giving raises to women who didn't deserve it well you're giving the yeah the people that would have gotten it anyways or affirmative action you know we're going to hire more black people but then you hire the black people that were in a position to get it anyways so you're not giving anyone new yeah, it's not a, serving its function yeah you're just giving you know that person that would have gotten it later it's sooner and you're not bringing any new uh african americans into the workforce or into the high-level workforce you're just just you're just choosing the ones that are already available more and these ones are already in a position you know it's like oh yes i have it so hard having gone to harvard it's like <laughs> cool <laughs> it's like but oh, you're not I had to go to yale <laughs> brown <laughs> what are you from princeton <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's nudies I'm actually strongly against that type of thing. And it's not because I don't want black people to succeed. And it's not because I don't see the, the aftershocks of not having black people in prominent positions. Cause then young yeah. black kids don't see prominent black figures. Right. So there is almost an argument to be made for promoting people, even though they don't deserve it just based on their skin color, but it's undeniably racist to do that. So if our end goal is to avoid racism, doing something racist, to stop it is not helpful. No matter well, how what the outcome looks like, even if it it does some good, I don't think the ends justifies the means and saying let's not look at skin color, but let's give grants to people of only skin color, or let's uh, admit people into college of only skin color because we have a quota to fill. Yeah, not that I don't see the value in it because I do recognize that kids growing up need to see it needs to be normalized to see black CEOs and women CEOs that needs to be normalized for young girls to be able to aspire to it realistically. But on the same token, there's no shortage of people wanting to be astronauts just because there aren't many astronauts, like people who deserve those positions will get them or should get them. Yeah. And it's like, you know, first all female astronaut crew. And it's like, cool. Yeah. What purpose (laughs) did that serve? (laughs) Yeah. It's the science that matters here. Yeah, exactly. So like, but it's not to say we shouldn't celebrate women achieving, right? We should still point out the fact that there are women because we want young girls to see that. Well, and then if if you do achieve, it becomes you achieve, you achieved, you know, not because you are a wonderful individual who did something, you know, uh, amazing, in its own respect, you mm. are a black woman who did something amazing. 
are yeah, you? Yeah, it almost diminishes for a black woman. It's like, it. <laughs> like you did something amazing for all humanity as a human in relation to all humans. Yeah. And not just in, you know, in, in relation to, you know, in, with respect to the things you overcome. It's, it's not like that. It's, it's, yeah, we're diminishing it by making it about such a narrow thing, as you said. Yeah. So. And that, that's why I'm sort of on the fence about it because like, I recognize that there's an issue and I recognize we should do something about it but I, I really don't, I don't see there's any leg for them to stand on um, under the, the argument that we should selectively be racist and say it's okay to be racist if it's a positive thing, but it's not okay to be racist if it's negative. Like racism is going to persist as long as you keep drawing lines and skin colors. Right. And I feel like we were doing good before about 2010. And, but because one of the things that we had to figure out is that, like, um, what do you do with the old folks that won't get rid of uh, their old ideas? So, you, you know, you have the new batch of people who just, you know, it's like someone comes out and they're like, I'm gay. And, you know, everyone else around them that's kind of their age is like, so obviously. <laughs> yeah, or obviously. <laughs> like, me. Uh, but then but you get like, you not care. But then you get the old folks. Yeah, but then you get the old folks who are like, yeah, uh, you know, we got they got this and they got their old opinions, but like somehow, some like these changes and the big changes take a long time, and sometimes we just need to wait for the opinions to die of old age. Yeah, um, you can't force and it. And that's the other thing is like we like we kind of it's it's, it's a, such a morbid argument, but. It's like, um, yeah, we could, you know, kill the racists or something or something. But like, if, if I say the word, you know, racism, you can have a racist thought without even trying. So like, racism is like, we have noticeable differences, but racism is something itself. And we had racism, definitely. Now, we're slowly moving past it. We've been doing great, but for some reason we're stumbling on it now because it was so fun to fight racism before, wasn't it? <laughs> it was so fun to be an activist. I want to be at Martin Luther King's march. I want to... It was wanna... like shooting fish in a barrel back then. Like, we were talking about protesting lynch mobs. Like, how easy is it to point out the fact that slavery is intolerable? Like right. no if ands or buts about it. No discussion. It's just right. intolerable to promote slavery. Period. So we like, don't have those obvious positions. No, well, and they like try and make them obvious there. because they say that the people back then who are, you know the, the folks that were racist who had those very um, poorly thought out uh, racial uh, hierarchies of their worldview. Uh, and they history doesn't look too kindly back upon them. You know, these people were these people were racists, and they, they supported the you know they went about it, and they they persecuted black people, and they wouldn't give black people a chance or something, or they were discriminatory against uh, homosexuality in all its forms. But uh, and history doesn't look so. Now we're told that uh, history won't look kindly upon you. You know you'll get the same treatment as those people did in history is, uh, and I as those people did now but it isn't obvious anymore like i don't want to go walk down the street and thinking like am i and you know a black couple walks by and i i don't want to be thinking like oh am i making the right am i am i offending them by walking by them i just want to be like uh i just want to like notice that there's someone there and then you know get on with my day i don't want to have to think about whether or not i'm being racist because they're just more people. But it's the uh, appearance of racism that you're worried about. It's not even the actual Right, racism. and I'm being forced to the worry appearance. about the appearance of racism, yeah. which is the stupidest it's thing. It's so stupid. It's not, and I'm so, but then I like have to be your ally. It will be obvious and clear by by your lifestyle and your choice of words and you know what right. I mean? To listen so to one thing and just harp on you for it. Right, so then, you know, you get that feeling like, oh, Maybe I am actually racist because, you know, you convince people like that. It's like, mm -hmm. you noticed his color. So 
you're racist. And it's like, okay, what do I need to do to rectify this? Like, I want to be a good person. I want to be seen to be a good person. Cause like, I'm a, I, I try to be a good guy, right? Everyone thinks I'm a good guy. And everyone's like, no, you're a good guy. But like the response activism. So <laughs> activism, you need to become an ally. But the trick, the thing is, is that the way it's set up now is that there's no way you can help. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are, if you're helping, that means you're aggrandizing yourself. If you're not helping, that means you're, uh, you know, working against it. So, you know, either you're with us or you're with the terrorists. And that mentality got us into some trouble in 2001. And it's that mentality. Every year for the past hundred years. I think there's been three years in the last 80 or something that we haven't, or the U.S. hasn't been at war somewhere. Like three out of like 80 years, something like that. It's really pathetic. (laughs) I think they were in the late 40s. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was probably right after the Great Depression, <laughs> after they industrialized all their mattress-making companies to make shells. <laughs> Better in the 90s, right before... Oh, no, there was tons of war in the Oh, no, 90s. I mean, like, b- between the Gulf War and Clinton. <laughs> well, they were... They were that, Bosnia happened around then. Hey, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying, like, oh, yeah. between Bosnia and the Gulf War. <laughs> yeah, it's just... It's been incessant, though, and we're always fighting for virtue. That's what blows my mind. Like, we murder people constantly over virtue, and they just okay. happen to always be brown. Right. And you just now, happen to always be white, and our army just happens to always be brown and black. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't so, take a fucking rogue scholar to figure out the numbers here, right? Like, how, to deny racism in America over all this time doesn't yeah. mean that we're, we're, we're not saying there's been progress, like, through the civil rights movement, affirmative action, but it does mean that it still exists and it needs to be looked at. Yeah, and um, asking the question is a good start. And we all need to have that, you know, thought process going through our heads. It's like, what is, like, but the thing is, is that we don't classify people in the same, in that 19th century, you know, uh, fashion uh, of, you know, the hierarchy of the races. We, like, science itself has moved way, 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 way beyond that. Uh, And anyone who tries to do anything like that scientific racism is like laughed at by the scientific community um but at the same time there are differences between races you know there's a absolutely and touchy areas um yeah and so this isn't and this is where hard conversations and you know people get it because they want to be good and generally most people want to be good unless you're part of those um chaotic elements um that uh in our in our in our striving to do good and be good we we pave a very complicated and noisy rose to hell <laughs> so um i was gonna go somewhere but i think that it's it oh yeah that's where i was gonna go so we're all stupid to some extent so we do have to take some time to think about it now the other thing is is that if you're a country and you got you're you're trying to be the best virtuous you're trying it's not always succeeding and someone comes up to you and being like hey you would you like to you know could you help me with some military problems i'm having and the u.s goes no 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 and then you know someone asks and they're like and then, you know, activists and then Americans go like, no, 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 this is an actual problem that we're having here. Those Balkan genocides need to be dealt with. And so the U.S. goes, okay, no, but let's talk to the U.N. Let's go to the U.N. together and we'll see what we can do. And then, you know, stuff got happened and I tried. Uh, and there was a no, it was such a bad situation um, that I, I hesitate to say that the involvement in the Balkan wars was uh, the peacekeeping was a bad thing. Uh, but, and I think that is a good use of that force in peacekeeping. Um, but what happened after 9-11 was a poor use of force. Uh, and someone asks for help, kind of, uh, but, they didn't really even ask and they came in. So. 
It's sort of that they considered it a threat to themselves if they didn't help. So rather than yeah. going in there to help people, they were going in there to preserve themselves. And that's that's the same mentality as the reason why they didn't want to liberate slaves is because they were scared to death of an uprising from all the right. masses, right? But interestingly, in the North, a lot of the anti-slavery was built around economic things. Like, if we have slaves, then my boss can just buy slaves instead of hiring me and my family. We need to get rid of slavery. Yeah. <laughs> Which is... A pretty good argument because slavery is a terrible economic state, but um, it's not exactly a virtuous argument. It's, but it's does it does the job right? And a lot of people actually think the Civil War was all about like liberating slaves and stuff, and it wasn't. <laughs> it was no. far more an economic matter and a politis political matter. It just happened to be favorable in hindsight, right? And the slavery did need to be dealt with, and the North did know that because slavery doesn't employ uh, your, your populace. Um, and they knew that the economics rode hand in hand with the... Um, well, how could the North compete with an ec economy of slavery? Like you just have relentless output with zero input compared well, to a bunch of people trying to balance an equilibrium. Well, that's the thing. The then it seems like the South would have had a... Uh, a economic juggernaut there just waiting to be exploited because of all the slavery. But historically, we see that slaves actually don't produce more, they don't produce excess value, and they don't produce, um, and they uh, don't last as long, and they don't produce more workers as, as much. Um, whereas freed workers, get paid they can invest they can make more workers because you know they're probably better fed uh and this shows up again in we see this in rome where their slavery it wasn't it's kind of what they did but it wasn't actually a healthy process pro process and held them back quite a bit but that's why their slavery sort of evolved into a family dynamic where a lot of slaves yeah. were just outright slaves and beaten but a lot of them were like a second spouse or yeah, like Yeah, he's nanny. a slave, but he's also the tutor of the house. Yeah, so like, you don't want them teaching your kids off. You so know. it became, it was like a thing. But like at the same time, you have, uh, uh, which is described in Solzhenitsyn, you have the uh, Soviet Union's slave state where they were just like, oh, we need more workers. Well, let's just go round up a bunch of dissidents and <laughs> uh, charge them with Article 9. Or the Chinese today, let's just round up a whole bunch of, uh, what do they yeah. call it, like defamation or whatever or, of the government when you when you criticize the government. That's like yeah. against the, the federal law of China. And yeah. if they need workers in their concentration camps, which or, exist today, by the way, a yeah, cause or, worth activism. Or organs. Activism. <laughs> <laughs> like the Uyghur population. and Yeah, the Uyghurs and the Falun Gong. Anyway, yeah, the Falun By Gong. By saying those things, YouTube's going to demonetize us, but we're not monetized, so... Yeah, even better. No ads. So like, yeah. share, and oh, subscribe if you want to support content. If you see ads like on this. our channel, let us know because don't buy that stuff. Because oh, they didn't pay yeah, us. Yeah, don't buy their stuff. I think <laughs> they will show up now, though, because YouTube changes terms of policies and stuff. Yeah. So, but what we were getting to, and I think I was getting to something there, is because well, we got to talking about slaves, but it was a bit of a digression. So what I was talking about was, what do you do? When, so you go out and you find something to be active about. What do you do when someone comes and asks you for help? Uh, now, if they dress it up and they can make it look like, yes, I'm, I'm a poor, you know, uh, down on my luck um, dictator and I'm just being oppressed by all these, you know, insurrection people and I just, I just need a little bit of help. Could you? Could you and your organization rally your big old strong government and help me? <laughs> it's like, sure, let's let's go in. But at the same time, like you really have to see what you're getting into because a lot of people are always asking for your help. Become an activist, get involved. Um, but and they're looking to manipulate you too. They could yeah. come to you with a plight that seems perfectly reasonable, and then you find out you're perpetrating the genocide. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and you just like, oops, like, what do you say? Sorry. Ah, <laughs> maybe try and get out and active, be active yeah, against it. Yeah, but it's it. too late. You've already massacred people. 
yeah like the my Lai massacre in vietnam like that one was something bit, Casey. i'm thinking more like uh that might, that might be a bad example but a better example would probably be well, the um, vietnamese people didn't ask for them to come i know but it was that's um it's not as systemic that was more of a but that's something the trees everyone opened fire at once and then everyone overreacted for like a day and a half but it's an instance of america going right. to war thinking they were helping people and then perpetrating a massacre and saying sorry right <laughs> now something more um i think a better example would be uh recruiting local populations in poland the ukraine and hungary to round up uh jewish populations during the second world war whereas you know we need you to help this population is, you know, these well-dressed, uh, clean guys come in because they're still heading east. Um, uh, <laughs> on the way back, they wouldn't be as, uh, they wouldn't look as good. Um, the, um, and they say, you know what, we're going to give you all this stuff. We're going to help you guys out. You know, we know the old regime wasn't very good, but here's all we need you to do. We just need you to tell us, you know, we're not going to hurt them. We just need you to tell us where these you know, the local populations of Jews are and, um, you know, and then we can help you guys out. They, they frame it really nice. And then, you know, he's like, oh, all right, well, uh, this guy here is Jewish and, you know, it's a, and then you're just like, oh, shit, I'm a bad person. <laughs> so, but it's the same thing in, um, because there's tricks you can play. Um, and uh, there's one that uh, you hear like, um, like Vietnamese, North Vietnamese, and Chinese tactics, uh, and Japanese, uh, I think it was Chinese tactics, where they, they'll take with their prisoners and they'll make you say uh, one small thing. Like, what's say something bad about Canada. Just, you know, just say, write a story, you know, just a small thing about one small thing that's bad about Canada. And they'll get you to admit something. They'll say, see, that wasn't that hard. And then they'll, they'll give you something in response. You know, every time you say something, you get a piece that. of chocolate or something and yeah. you get saved then, an hour of torture. <laughs> right. And so after a while, uh, with a couple pieces of fruit, they've turned you into a zealot for their side. Um, yeah, China because, still does that. Yeah. And a lot of the groups, when you look at the rhetoric in modern activism, it's like you say the like, well, wasn't it bad that the Canadian government did this? It's like, well, yeah. So don't you think they could have done other bad things? And then the, the, the reward is, you know, social credit where, you know, you get social capital where, you know, you look like you're being virtuous, but, and then more and more, it's easier to say like, oh, you know, we should just get rid of the Canadian government. You, you fall into the trap where it's just, once you start hearing, it's like these things where it's say one bad thing, say one bad thing, or how could you do this? Like, and sorry, um, say one bad thing. And then. Uh, when you respond unkind, they just say, well, you're, I didn't know you were that kind of person. And he's like, oh, I didn't know I was that kind of person either. And it's like, no, don't play that game. It's a trap. So um, again, I guess the focus becomes, what are you trying to accomplish? <laughs> like, And it comes down to awareness too. You need to be aware of the deceptions. You can't just trust everybody's coming to you with sincere issues. You know what right. I mean? You, no matter like, what they look like when they're presenting it to you, you really have to actually analyze what people are saying and say, hmm, does that actually achieve our end goal? Does right. it actually fix a problem to give money away to people who don't have money? Does that make them less poor? Yeah. No, no. Their ability to earn is the problem, not the money they have sitting in the bank. Their inability to earn money to put in the bank is the problem. <laughs> you need to fix the problem, not, yeah. not just the superficial issue. What if we just gave everyone money? poverty solved yeah. <laughs> so it's like um educated people we assume experts just know everything and yeah. we've made a culture of just like being lazy with our intellectualism and not thinking for ourselves because we have so many experts who are so expert that we just decide that we don't have to know for ourselves anymore or we right. just trust the fact that there's there there must be some deeper opinion that i don't understand or you have to like wash all that away and actually pay attention to your own activism. Like the things that you're not you as you, but I mean us as a people, like we need to not just assume that educated people say the right things. Cause there are always going to be people like Paul Wolf Wolfowitz 
who will say, well, I'm part Jewish and I can still support my own uh, or draw my own conclusions. And he's highly educated. But like, if you listen to the things the guy says about um, America's imperialism and supporting, supporting the dominance of, of white people, he's pretty descript about his intentions and motivations. And he's very picky and choosy with the data he pulls out because he's a propagandist. And just because he's really well-educated and super famous and he says a lot of things, it doesn't mean that he's right. And in the same token, Noam Chomsky, who's an outspoken advocate for people's rights and, you know, he's a world-renowned linguist in, in his field of, field of study, you can listen to Noam Chomsky and still pick apart flaws in his arguments. You, you can still see that there's a hopeful naivete about the way he represents political figures while in the same token, he's discussing all the corruption that's rampant in every single arm and branch of societal structure across the board worldwide, especially when he talks about war and economics. Like he'll yeah. swift from one side, but it doesn't mean he doesn't have something to say. And it doesn't mean he's always right, though, just because he's I'm, smart. I'm not on Noam Chomsky's side, but he's one of the people that I generally will listen to. Yeah, Even me though I too. don't completely agree with him. And I, I do, I almost treasure that when I can find someone on the other side uh, or on a side that I don't agree with, not the other side, because it's not just me and the other. Um, someone that I don't agree with that I can, um, I can take seriously and go through. Uh, because there's definitely tons of different um Norman Finkelstein's another great example. Yeah, I because uh, I'm not a Marxist, but I don't I totally found, agree with him. But he's very yeah. right on a lot of important he, points. There's, 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 he's worth listening to, and he's. But that's the thing. He's also willing to talk with people on mm -hmm. the other side. So you these you find people who are willing to not like debate and see who's right. Um, debate of the century. Peterson like versus Zizek. Like it's like oh god, whatever. And then. Uh, but when like you find these people are willing to sit down and be like, let's see what we got. Let's hash that, it out. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of, those are the ones that I, that are like candy um, because like the, 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 the debate versus this and that guy, because they're like, you know, theoretical rivals. It's like, oh boy, this is like a boxing match. I'm not even going to tune But in. I do enjoy it for that aspect. Like I yeah. like sport and I like competition and I like, but it, it's just, you got to segregate the two. You got to yeah. say like, this is for entertainment and knowledge and this is for activism and knowledge. Because I like the, uh, the Intelligence Squared people do a good job of that. And yeah, and then they tried to do stuff like lightning rounds and like they just Americanized like the stupidest <laughs> things you could possibly inject into like civil yeah. discu discussion. <laughs> So like yeah. everybody gets it wrong is what I'm getting at. Well, we all get it. Yeah. And that's the thing. We all get a bunch wrong. And we all get a bunch space. wrong. That's and the point can't... of diversity of thought right there. Yeah. To find the, the pearls in everybody's oysters. So with the shell and everything. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think we might be uh, coming up. up. Yeah. I think we can, cause I think we've, we've in the second half we've said a lot of uh came to some really interesting conclusions and i feel like if we keep talking we're just going to start rehashing points and and just start saying the same stuff with uh i'm looking forward to part two with the protests ways. yeah um so part so i guess this is part two so well, this the, is part two of activism i will yeah. come up with another title so extremism we'll... activism and uh i would like to so the next one will we're going to do in this, I guess, playlist. Oh, we can call it actionism. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, so um, we will look at uh, protesting itself uh, as I have a lot of thoughts on that. But for next week, um, we will be getting a bit off track and taking a, taking a, uh, looking at something a little different so that we don't, you know, we don't, we're not talking about just, one thing on this channel so we'll be looking at uh bringing in a guest to talk about uh, genetic uh, developmental uh our developmental genetics um who uh which shall be really fun so 
Stay tuned. Uh, yeah, stay tuned. Uh, if you think anyone might be interested or you know, wouldn't mind hearing us banter while they're making dinner or something, just send a link out or and subscribe and uh, please mm. comment. We'd love to hear from you. So, Word up. Thanks for the talk.